Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we have uh, Rebecca uh, in the studio again with me, and we're going to be talking about uh, personal voice and um, what that means in art. So why do we use the term personal voice? Well, I... I like the word voice because when you think about the analogy to the way your voice is, your personal voice, your speaking voice, your physical voice, what is that? It has a certain quality to it. It has a certain character to it. It's like a fingerprint. Exactly. And when you're speaking in your physical voice, whether you're whispering or yelling or speaking a foreign language or whatever you're doing with your voice, singing... It still has a certain quality that would be your voice. And so I think it's a good term, even though it's not a visual term. It works in this case. Well, it's unique. It's recognizable. It, right. It establishes something as yours. Right. And it's it's a recognizable thing about us. And so it's, uh, you know, we all learn language from other people. We learn it from our parents and so on, but we don't. We don't want to sound just like them as we grow up and have our own ideas and everything. So I think it's also a good analogy for how we deal with influences from other artists and so on. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of ways you can kind of spin it out. I mean, the, the um, aspects of a voice can be thought of in a way as words and phrases and sentences, and then how you put them together, how you speak with it. Well, and to use more visual language, it's patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's things that you've developed over time that, are, that have some meaning for you. So how is it different from style? I think style... It's it's somewhat the same as style in a way, but I think I think of style as a more confining word somehow, because I think when... You think of style, and if you have a style that you consider your own, you may do something a little different in your work and think, oh, but, you know, is that really my style? And it might be uh, constricting for you to put that kind of definition on it. Whereas I think voice is more open-ended because there have always been artists that have worked in various ways, but still retain a feeling that it's their work and that's their voice. And it may be in different styles somewhat. Um, to use an example of someone most people would be familiar with, George O'Keefe. And, and she, if you walked into a, a room in a museum and there was a George O'Keefe painting on the wall and you know her work, you, you'd know it immediately. It was hers. But she used different subject matter. She even worked very abstractly at times, other times much more defined. And... So she was, uh, personal voice is flexible. You know, it has a an open-ended quality, I think. Sure. So if you were talking about style, you might limit George O'Keefe to desert landscapes or to mm-hmm. uh, close-ups of flowers. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It seems to be a word that invites more definition. <laughs> sure. And, um, and, you know, there's big words of style like abstraction or landscape whatever impressionism you know those are broader terms but talking about personal style i think it's a bit 
limiting somehow. somehow. So I think it's a better word um, or a better phrase because I think that personal voice should be, um, you know, very um, uh, authentic to you. And it's a consistent thing, but it's also variable. I So I guess I'm... I'm Maybe the listeners as well. I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding what voice is then. If it's not something specific, if it's something <laughs> vague and... It is a bit vague. I, I know this. And and yet, when you see it, you know it's there, right? I mean, if you, if you, you know, using the example I just did of going into a museum, if you walked into a museum, you could, if you knew your artists and art history you would identify be able to identify without reading the labels a lot of different artists it's a little bit too like um you know you're walking on the street and you see somebody approaching you on the sidewalk from a distance and somehow you know right away it's your friend so and so by the way that he's walking or dressed or holds himself and those are it, it is it is a hard thing to define and yet we all we all have it, and I think we all have it already. We just need to figure out how to let it out. <laughs> so, so voice is something that speaks to you on a subconscious level, almost. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, and and accessing it also involves some, you know, tapping into that subconscious for yourself. Um, and so, you know, I think as we talk, maybe it'll be a little more clear what it is or how to get there in your own work, but. You know, you could ask yourself as a starting point, if let's say you work in cold wax medium and you work abstractly. Now, if there were a room full of paintings, cold wax paintings in an exhibit, what would make yours stand out as unique to you? Um, doesn't have to be better than everyone else's. I don't mean that. But how would someone know, oh, this is by so-and-so because they recognize what you're doing with it? And I chose that particular example because I teach cold wax medium and I use it myself and I know there's a certain look that a lot of people get to with it, which has to do with a very textured surface and the intricacy of color and whatnot. But how are you using that in your own way? Sure. Well, I mean, when you're learning art, in, in a classroom setting, uh, you're learning a set of techniques that are being taught to you by an instructor. Everyone's kind of learning the same procedures. Mm -hmm. um, so I, it, uh, there's got to be some variance in order to kind of, I mean, like when I was a kid, I remember do, taking art classes where all these, I think we talked about it in a bonus segment at some point, but I, it, all these uh, all these works that all the kids were creating were all kind of looking the same, you yes. know? And I think that that is something that tends to occur in a classroom setting. Oh, sure. And I, and I, I guess I'm going to differentiate between what happens in a workshop and what happens two years after the workshop. Sure. <laughs> because yes, in the workshop, it's it's expected and appropriate that you're going to be doing what the teacher is doing, pretty much. Uh, but down the road. Um, personal voice is really what well, I see it as a kind of a developmental stage. It's some artists seem to know from the beginning what their voice is, but many don't. And to get to the stage of your art where you feel that it's very, very connected to your your personality, yourself, your experiences, everything about you, and you're able to communicate that, you know, that's not easy. And it, it can take a long, it can be a long road to get there. So it's all about bringing yourself into your art and telling your own story. 
Yeah, I would say um, very much so. And it's there are so many distractions along the way. You know, the um, you're pulled this way and that by say uh, you've learned something new, and and all of a sudden you want you want that to be part of everything you do, or you have met an artist that you feel very influenced by. And all of a sudden, your work is looking like theirs, and these sort of things are are often sidetracks. But if you just keep persisting, and I I will explain more about that later, then you, you know you'll get there. And I think I think that the topic of um, we kind of touched on with the workshop thing, the topic of how influenced are you by other people is a big one and it can affect your personal attempts to find personal voice a lot because if you're heavily influenced by one other artist that's a block to your own path and so um well, it's hard to become successful if your work is not, if it looks like some other successful artist. You want to have your own, I, I know you hate this word, but you want to have your own brand. <laughs> you know, you want to have something that is uniquely yours. You know, if, so any, you know, anybody can make a handbag, but if your handbag looks like a Louis Vuitton bag, then it's just going to look like a knockoff Louis Vuitton bag. Uh, yeah. You know, and you don't want to be somebody who's creating knockoff Louis Vuittons, you want to be Louis Vuitton, yeah. you know? And if, so you, you got to establish your own brand and it has to be unique and it has to be you. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we were talking before the podcast about the word brand and uh, yeah, it's, it's an objectionable word to a lot of artists because it sounds very commercial at the same time. Um, it probably in its origins, it's not, it's simply saying this is mine. If you think about, uh, you know, rancher branding sure. cattle, which I kind of go ouch when I think of that, but um, it's, a, it's a signature. Yeah. It's saying this is my cow, not yours. <laughs> and so and that has implications if you're interested in, in selling your work and if you're interested in being in the art market, it has a lot of implications to have work that when galleries are flipping through all these submissions and emails and websites and something jumps out at them as, oh, this is interesting, this is this is unique, and that's that's personal voice when you're able to reach out to your person that you want to communicate with and have them kind of stop in their tracks and say, oh, this person has got something to say. Well, and, and even if it's not the, um, the, the, the highest quality work, um, you know, something I've noticed when I'm looking at various products in my day job, uh, if something is unique, it stands out. Even if it's, even if I don't personally like it, I know that there's a customer out there who will like it, mm -hmm. you know, as long as, as long as it's, um, unique and there's a, uh, a substance there that, that is, uh, you know, something that I can appreciate. Well, I think the word substance is is important there because Yeah, I don't and I don't want to say that quality isn't important either cuz quality is important. It is. But it's um taste is subjective is what I mean. Right. And I think I think I would want to differentiate between anything that was sort of tricky or gimmicky in terms of personal voice. And you see this a lot in the art world. You see somebody who's hit on something that 
probably is more of a style than personal voice. I mean, it's a, a certain eye-catching look or something, and then repeating it endlessly and and not moving on. And to me, that's that's not voice because voice is open-ended and voice explores. And, and with our voices, we, we talk, we communicate, and we explore ideas. And so I think... Uh, I think quality for me, anyway, and for a lot of artists, is always going to be essential. And that's actually like knowing your medium very well and having a lot of um, personal skill with your medium is a definite road to personal voice. Because you, if you've developed your skill and your techniques with your medium, you're going to be... Uh, you're going to be expressing things in a way that is unique because you figured things out. Well, sure. And that combination of quality and skill um, and uh, and your voice, um, that all creates something uh, that is uh, uh, interesting, that people can, can enjoy, and, and that is uniquely you. Um, and it's so important to be able to actually be successful is to, mm-hmm. to combine all of those elements. Yeah. And I think in, in the art world, you know, when when I say you have invested your work with personal meaning, it's that can be off-putting as well because at least um, you know a lot of artists will just say um, my work is just about shape and color, or my work is just about interpreting the landscape, and they don't perhaps see that there is a personal connection. That doesn't mean that it isn't there. They just maybe not have quite put a finger on what it is. And I think what, if you think about art in terms of communication, what you're trying to do with your audience is communicate meaning, but it doesn't have to be specific meaning. And I think that's where some artists kind of back off and say, whoa, you know, it's 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 a visual world. It doesn't have to have a meaning on it. Um, but well, the me- audience has, has to be able to make a connection with you as a person through yeah. your artwork. I think of it as sort of, you know, setting a setting a stage for somebody to you. You have found something that means something to you, whether you put words on it or not. And you present it to someone and they will they may very well connect with that. Um, I had a, a very wise instructor in college, Andy Schaefer, <laughs> who said something to me I've always remembered, and that is uh, the more personal something is, the more universal it is. And I think that's kind of at the heart of personal voice because it's if you, if you tap into that, then it allows you to connect with other people based on just kind of the experience of being human. Our shared experience as people can come through, whether it's anything specific or not. So again, it's elusive. It's not something I'm, you know, able to really define, yet I know it when I see it and I know it when I feel it. And I think most viewers would agree. Yeah, it's interesting how how there's that that need for a combination of the specific and the universal. Mm-hmm. You know, because the specific, you're working in a niche, you're you're connecting with a a certain audience, you know, but you also have to has has to include elements that anybody can can be drawn in by. Well, I think it's a bit like actually like creative writing too, mm-hmm. because you know when you or when podcasting or podcasting, right? <laughs> we get a little personal here. And I think when you you know when you learn um, creative writing, one of the things they always tell you is uh, 
be specific. You know, start with your own experiences, um, describe things that in detail so that people can picture them. And yet you don't want to get bogged down in that minutia. You, the, the novel or whatever you're writing also needs a plot. It needs uh, energy. It needs an arc of Sure, activity. character development. Yeah, and so, you know, in, in that type of writing, you're trying to find a balance between description and something bigger. And, you know, again, it, 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 that, that analogy works with the voice idea because we do talk about personal voice in writing quite a bit and it's more sure. tied to language yeah and in terms of writing I'm, I'm actually editing some work for a friend right now, for a friend right now and uh, I, I, something I've noticed with a lot of writers is that they develop this bad habit of including unnecessary words uh-huh. you know and it's like you want you want to to get to the substance you want you don't want to waste your your viewers time you know mm-hmm. you want to you want to cut right to it you want to be specific add detail where it where it helps but you don't want to use anything unnecessary and that that's such a great analogy for painting too because we i mean we talk about editing our work and it is the same thing do i really need that little bit there even though i love it I should get rid of it because it's not necessary. It's not contributing to the whole. And and the energy of the work can be dissipated by too much stuff going on. Yeah, it's distracting. Yeah. I mean, the, the impact of your work has to do with editing and with deciding what it is you want. What do you want in there? What do you not want in there? This is a, it's kind of a hard stage and, and you have to be kind of crass about it really in your own mind, like, oh, get rid of it, you know, even if. A minute ago, you loved it. (laughs) But if it's not working with the whole painting, then it's not working. Yeah, and it's so hard to do with your own work, too. It is. Yeah, and and typically writers will have editors, right? And somebody, we all kind of recognize that need. You can't exactly bring somebody into your studio, though, and say, edit my painting. Like, where do they even begin? You know, they don't don't even know the context. Right, and it, yeah, so, you know, artists often experience a sense of, you know they're in it alone they're they're just out there on the edge trying to make it work without much input you know it doesn't hurt to have people look at your work at all that's a good thing and you can say well what when you look at this painting what what feeling do you get from it what what do you think i'm uh, expressing here and if it's way off then you might consider hmm well i guess maybe i need to do some more work to convey what it is that i'd like to convey and that, that goes for self-critique as well. Self-critique is important. And being able to be somewhat objective about your work, to stand back and um, say, you know, what's working? What isn't working? And a big question in terms of personal voice, does it feel like me? Does it Does it feel like part of me, my soul, my inner bits? I mean, it's like, this is, this is kind of a um, gutsy way of thinking. And you, you know, you have to do it. It takes a certain amount of honesty with yourself. Honesty, yeah. Because if you really look at your work closely and objectively, I think you can see if you're being overly influenced by either another artist or maybe by, we also often have our inner critics in our head that say, you, uh, you know, you're using way too much bright color or this work just doesn't you know, it's too minimalist or something. And you have these words in your head that maybe, where do they come from? You know, you got to question those sometimes. 
Yeah, you got to be willing to take a risk. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, again, the the aspect of personal voice that is flexible allows you to work in different media, to try different things, and to still know that it's still you. And I, you know, there's a difference, you know, I can tell when I look at someone's work and it's very, very scattered in terms of style, if we want to use that word, in terms of approach, media, color, everything, subject matter, and it's all over the place. That's a way of working that if it's satisfying to the artist, you know, I have no objection to it. I can't say anything about it. But I would say, I think that's more surface work. It's not, it's not uh, shown the... It's not digging deep. It's not digging deep. It's not finding what is important to this particular person in their lives. And so, again, I don't want to criticize that. Many people make art not because they want to stand out, not because they want to sell it, but just because it satisfies them. So what does it mean to dig deep? How do you how do you achieve that? There's a large amount of, I would say, introspection, doing some kind of inner searching that is a part of developing personal voice. And here we can get a little more practical <laughs> from the, the beginning of, hmm, what what is she talking about? <laughs> um, into, well, how do you get there? How do you how do you find this voice? And as I mentioned, it can take a long time. But basically, what you are trying to access is your own experiences, your own point of view, what's important to you, and so on. Um, and I would say there's, you have to find a balance with this, which I'll go into in a little more detail what, what you're looking for here. But you have to find a balance with um, not overthinking too. And, you know, you want, you want your work to be also kind of free and spontaneous, but this inner work that I'm talking about can happen on the side. It can be something that you do away from the studio even, and just think about. And then when you're in the studio, try to let it go because you have incorporated it into your, into your mind. And the process that I'm going to talk about is one of setting in intentions and this is something that I did in my own work a number of years ago. And it really, I feel that it really set me on a course, a kind of a subconscious course. You know, it's not something that I kept looking at the same list over and over of my intentions, but I feel like they were planted <laughs> and they grew. And so um, the basic idea of setting some intentions has to do with what, what's important for you and your work. What do you want in your work? Sounds easy, but, you know, that can be hard. It can take a while to to figure that out. But I think it is good to actually write things down. And and what what you're aiming for can be certain things that are quite concrete, like I want my work to have bold contrast, or I want my work to have bright colors, or any of the things that you like and you look at your own work that you like and you say uh, this was successful in this painting and, and what I like about it is blah 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 so that's a place to start um, and but there's other bigger things too I mean what kind of mood are you interested in is there something some certain memories or things in your own life that you want to bring into your work and 
that's where it may take a little more this kind of journaling or meditating on an idea. I really think a lot of our aspects of personal voice go back very far into childhood. And I think there's something about, as an artist, tapping into those very old memories that brings power to work. In my own work, it has to do with landscape. You know, it has to do with being in nature as a child and feeling very connected to that. And I can, when I access that feeling, it's very powerful and I can still go back to it now. And that's something I bring to my work or I try to. So you have to have that, that connection to lived experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so right there. That's you. That's your life. It's not someone else's and it's not superficial. So that, um, I think that's a good place to start. You can also, beyond just memories, you can think about what things have been important to you throughout your life, what activities, what interests, what... It's not all about art. I mean, art is the result of a life lived, you know, the things you've done and seen and experienced and felt. And that's what is unique that you bring to your work. So, in concrete terms, you're writing these things down. You're you're um, making a list, and you're really putting some thought into what makes you, you. And just by doing that activity, it can influence your work quite a bit. Do you also do this with uh, with your kind of your personal goals in terms of your your success? And um, it seems to be a separate issue. I mean, this is. This is aesthetic, purely aesthetic, and and purely personal, emotional, memory kind of things. And so, I mean, it could certainly be a goal to spend time doing this, Mm -hmm. if that's what you mean. But I don't, I've never thought of it as tied to success or anything. I mean, it. I think as artists, we, we do need some separation there of what, what we do just because we are impelled and compelled to do it as artists to make our work better. That's part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And the side effect, success, perhaps sales, et cetera. Um, But in the moment when you're just. That's not why you go to the studio each day. You go to the studio to create art. Because yeah, there's like, I'm totally compelled to it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not a good day if i don't go to the studio <laughs> although i mean i as i've said before in other podcasts i do take some time off now and then but but the basic impulse not only to create the art but to but to dig into the deeper levels is absolutely part of what i do so do you spend a little, a little bit of time each day trying to connect with that mm-hmm. and trying to dig yeah. deep and dig out you I know do. what you want to connect with in this painting or mm-hmm. yeah i definitely do and and i also you know i do keep journals i keep sketchbooks with a lot of notes in them i read stuff i look at other people's work and that's all feeding that bigger picture and, you know, it, I mentioned earlier in this podcast about influences and everything, and you can also think in a broader way of sources. What what are your sources of ideas? It certainly can be other artists, contemporary artists, or artists from the past. The thing is, um, we are like sponges, and we sponge things up. So we're sponging off other artists, we're sponging off other 
um, things that we admire in people's work. But a sponge, uh, when you soak up the stuff with a sponge, it all mingles in the sponge, and then you squeeze it out, and it is no longer any one thing. It is a mixture of things. And the more open you are to these different influences, the more the mix is interesting. You know, it's not it's not obvious, perhaps, where your ideas are coming from. And they don't all come from other people, obviously. You have interests in your life that have gone on for a long time. In my own life, you know, when I was a little kid, I collected rocks and fossils. It was something my dad liked to do, and he would take us looking for fossils and things like that. And um, I always like shells and bones and bits of nature. And so that goes way back to being a kid and still continues. And I think a lot of us could look at things that we've always been drawn to in our lives as some sort of source, because those things are sources in my work. And um, Well, there, I, I mean, going back to kind of the, the literature example that we were using earlier, I mean, there are certain kind of archetypes, there are certain narrative structures that are, are across all different people and times. Yes. Um, you know, how many times have uh, has Shakespeare been reimagined, you know? Good point, yeah. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, just because it's a reimagining of a an archetype or, mm-hmm. um, you know, something that's kind of been done before, it doesn't mean, I mean, the reason why those things are, why archetypes are archetypes is because people connect with them, is because they have a, an Absolutely. impact on the human spirit. Right, and... Um, that that's a really good analogy and you could think of a topic like in art like say mother and child and how many ways sure, has that exactly. been interpreted and mm-hmm. it's not the subject matter and sometimes i mean it's not the subject matter that you have to worry about being unique lots of people work with landscape lots of people work with a figure how what it, it reminds me of you know something that comes up sometimes in workshops and people will say to me something like, um, I really like rocks. I want my work to be about rocks. Okay, that's you know maybe one of the archetypes, <laughs> stone structures or whatever. Or Monoliths. Rock. Yeah. And so so what I would come back with is, well, what what's important to you about a rock? I mean, is it the solidity of it is the strength of it is it the texture is it the shape and is it where you found the rock is it the rock is a part of a fence or something you know it, it those specific things are important in in finding your way to make a personal uh, expression of something like rock and again setting intentions what is it you're overall trying to express if you're interested in the idea of of power, let's say, of so, making your work powerful, and you like rocks. Well, rocks certainly have a powerful presence. Not necessarily the minutia of rocks, the little detail things, but their presence of a boulder in a landscape is pretty imposing. So, just an example of you know digging a little deeper into what it is that you like about something. What it, what is it that draws you to it? So I, I think. Um, as a basis for personal voice, and again, offering some practical ideas, think about those lifelong interests and think about the mixture of influences that you've had in your life, as well as your memories and um, emotional responses to things. And it's not like you have to include all of those things in every work of art at all. That's not what I mean. Again, back to the sponge, you, you're just 
You're just acknowledging these that these are part of the mixture. What comes out at a certain time may be a little different than what comes out at another time. But acknowledging them, kind of planting them in your brain somewhere, being aware of them is a step. And it really is the basis for personal voice. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment and a bit of sound advice. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks a lot.